everybody. When we win, the Warriors die and the Ducks fly. I'm Mike. That's Tommy. Hey, how's it going? That's Kevin. What's up, y'all? We got a special guest today. She is a costume designer for TVs and movies and all the things you've seen. Also costume designer for D3. She's Kim Tillman. Thanks for being here, Kim. Hi, thanks for having me. All right. So I'm interested in just how people get to where they are, especially when they have mm-hmm. like interesting jobs. So how do you become a costume designer for movies and TV and all that? Well, I think it's certainly changed. Um, it used to be I kind of still got in the old-fashioned way where um, I did an internship and, you know, then I became an assistant and worked hard and just started getting my own jobs. Um, I was lucky. I started designing when I was 26, um, you know, so I started pretty pretty early. But I think, you know, it's still similar, you know. You have mm-hmm. to kind of find your way in. But I think now because there's so much stuff on the Internet and, you know, people doing their own videos and doing different types of media that they just go out and make something and then somehow put it up and hope that it catches on. And a lot of times it does. So there's a slightly different approach. Like I feel like you don't have to follow those sort of, the protocol is different. You know, you don't have to go get two degrees and then get an internship. You know, you can kind of just jump into it now, I think. Um, I don't know where it'll go. Um, But, you know, like I said, I kind of did it the old fashioned way a little bit. So um, I've jumped around a lot. You know, I did, different things but um i definitely started i did an internship with roger corman studios which no longer exists um you know that dates me but it was it was a you know it was like where you'd go work for a hundred bucks a week and work your ass off and hopefully get something out of it you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. so how do you get onto d3 once you kind of break in there um that was kind of a great you know all around just because I am you know I'm from Minnesota and from Minneapolis precisely and Steve Brill was an old friend and he knew my friends from Minnesota and they were all kind of in on all that together um so we knew each other you know before that but I had worked with um uh Avnet Kerner and did a TV pilot and Jordan Kerner and I got along really well he knew that I was a hardworking Minnesota girl. So um, I'd done a few, you know, good things before that. And and um, it was just, you know, like, I want to say coincidence that, you know, when you get on a movie, you have no idea where it's going to shoot and you just go wherever. Um, I just got back from Savannah, Georgia and Puerto Rico, for example, with Steve Brill again, actually. Um, we hadn't worked together in a really long time. But it's, it's of course, I was excited because, and I grew up there and all my friends played hockey and we were shooting in my old neighborhood a lot of the time. And um, so I was definitely, you know, a lot of my friends with their little kids or, you know, people came to visit us on set and everybody knows from hockey there. So it was really just kind of a crossover of, of work life and home life. Um, so that one was special. Um, I don't really know. I mean, it's just you interview for movies and you either get the job or you don't. And luckily I got that one and, and got to go home in the summertime. And and uh, a lot of my crew actually were people that had started out or, or grew up in Minnesota and then moved to L.A. And so we all kind of had this posse of Minnesota girls 
came back to work on the movie and it was fantastic. So that one was special, but, um, yeah, we all knew how to skate. So <laughs> that helped, you know, put a few, few people to shame when it came time to go out on the ice and everybody was flipping around and we're like, no, 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 no. we'll show you how this is done. You know, it's fun. Now, uh, now as an avid hockey fan, how familiar, familiar were you with uh, D1 and D2 before you got the D3 gig? Oh, God, yeah. You know, I mean, like I said, I knew Steve from the beginning, and, um, you know, that was, it was a super cute movie, and um, Mighty Ducks. And just also, again, it was it was a little bit like a hometown story. So, I mean, every every single person I grew up with either played hockey or had a brother or sister to play. I mean, women's hockey just started when I graduated high school, so it wasn't as big, but... You know, we all just threw on skates and went out. And it, it, you know, I don't know if you've had that experience, but it's like whenever you see a movie that's sweet and heartfelt, and it's about your hometown, and it's a sport that you actually understand. You know, it's kind of extra fun. Mm-hmm. So, as a costume designer, I, I kind of get the basic idea. But does this mean that you are like responsible for th- everything everybody wears? Like, what is your kind of yeah. role there? Yes, <laughs> yes. In fact, I, it's funny because on D3, you know, of course, the, the Ducks uniforms were already set because they were the team already. So they had to use the Anaheim somehow because now it was a Disney big thing, mm-hmm. big franchise. You had to use those. But I also, um, you know, we had the Warriors. We had the Home and Away Warriors. And we had the Practice Warriors. And we had JV Warriors. So I got to design all those, okay. which, you know, as I said, a girl from Minnesota, that was like the jackpot <laughs> and then you know we had all the kids that i liked d3 a lot because the kids were coming you know they were all becoming you know some of them were 16 17 18 so they had gone from little kids to becoming young adults and their personalities were showing so we got to you know you remember there's a funeral in that movie and then they had to sort of step up to go before the board at eden hall and so there were you know we had to show their personalities daily at school, um, dressed up in mourning, uh, you know, roller, roller hockey practice. Um, you know, in the beginning, I think it's pretty much in the beginning when they meet the, the new coach, they're all kind of wearing their favorite Jersey, you know, to represent sort of who they are. And, um, you know, so there was a lot of, there, there's, you go through the story on any script, this one in particular, we had four trailers, you know, we had to have one for the hockey uniform, one for all the main actors, one that was just constantly people sewing, and then one for extras clothes. So that was like doing, you know, I mean, it was epic. Even though it's mo- it was modern day, we had a lot of clothes and a lot of uniforms. And we had people just in charge of uniforms. Um, <laughs> in fact, I have to give a shout out. My PA was my best friend's niece, who was also uh, Steve Brill's roommate, she was my PA and she could carry like four hockey bags at once. And now she's a very fancy film executive. And um, we joke about it all the time. We call it, I call her up and I say, Tina, I have a duck emergency, you know, because <laughs> we, yes, we would, you know, somebody would break their skates or, you know, we were also PS in charge of all the rollerblades, all the ice hockey skates. And, you know, it was a, it was a lot of um, finagling, you know, we had a, we had a van that we drove around town. We called it the Tarmac Mobile because the Tarmacs were the good rollerblades at that time. 
And, you know, we had to have them in size order and you had to be able to pull it out and access it because when those kids are playing, you know, stuff breaks. And if you can't fix it immediately, you got to replace the skates and they have to be the exact same skates. And each kid wore a different one. And, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot to be in charge of. And, yes, I'm in charge of all of it, technically. So, so not that answered your, your question, but. Yeah, it did. So, uh, Kevin here. Uh, so by D three, there were there were quite a few, I guess, pretty big stars you could say on that team, at least for that. Mm-hmm, you know, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know how much actual say anybody, any any of the actors actually get in, in their wardrobe, but were the, was there anybody that was either particularly tough to dress or or uh, anybody that complained or pushed back on what they were told to wear? Anything along no. those lines? Yeah, not in that case. I mean, it, it does happen. Um, there are some actors who are very invested, you know, in what they look like, um, in every single thing that they do. But I mean, Emilio was pretty established by then and, but he's a fantastic guy. And, um, you know, we knew that it also the story had progressed and he was now, you know, a fancy lawyer. And so, um, I think as long as, as I or any costume designer are in sync with the story and you present it. Um, in a kind of understandable way that they they hear what you're saying. Like, I think you should wear serious uh, suits and very well-cut, very tailored, dark tones. You know, we have to take you seriously. And if that rings true with what they had in mind, then you just move forward. Um, Or there might be a little discussion like, oh, you know what? I really don't like to wear brown. I like to wear navy. Or it could be really simple things where it could get complex or you Mm. could have to have seven fittings by the time you figure out you know, the one suit that feels perfect. I think um, we just, we hit it off, you know, so I think um, he liked what I was presenting and it was kind of clear in the story where he was and that he's, you know, he's almost in suits the whole time. So um, we've got him good. You know, I look at it now and I think, oh my God, so dated, right? You know, those styles. But um, I think his more than any, I mean, a couple of the guys, you look at them and they're, they're, blazers are baggy and and you're like oh god you would never wear that now and but Emilio's stuff was still pretty tailored so it 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 became more timeless and that's sort of what we were going for it's like now you have money now you're you know high-powered lawyer and this is what you'll this is what you'll wear it wasn't really that ambiguous where some characters you're you're hiding something or you don't want people to know who they are right away, then those are the more difficult conversations. But um, in this movie, I mean, we just had fun. Um, You know, Jeff Norling, we ended up working together again later on. And, you know, for him, it was just, we wanted him to look really athletic, almost Olympian. And, and that was fun. And, and again, from, you know, for me, I think I got a little bit, they trusted me because I, I was from Minneapolis and I grew up with hockey and, you know, I have a cousin who played pro and I have, you know, just, I guess I just had a little bit more cred in that area. So, um, and I was just hardworking and we went at it. I mean, there were so many people to dress. I think I didn't really, I don't remember. <laughs> Maybe we did have discussions. I don't remember. I just was plowing through it, you know, <laughs> but I just remember that as a super positive experience with everybody, you know, and I had worked with some of those kids you know, I'm trying to remember the timeline, but I've worked with almost all those kids at least twice. So, um, you know, that, that helped. Okay. So who was, who was your cousin that made it to the NHL? Who what? 
who was it? Who was your cousin who uh, played pro? Oh, <laughs> oh, he's Swedish. You, you oh. um, played for the Islanders a million million years ago. So, um, yeah, when the Islanders came into town and played the North Stars, it was a big deal. Like, where where were we going to sit? <laughs> so, yeah, that was North Stars days, guys. You probably weren't even around then. We were young. <laughs> <laughs> you were even you were really little yeah yeah, yeah. so you yeah. mentioned just uh you know you had to design the uniforms for eden hall the warriors how much direction do you get on it are you like picking the actual colors they wear and stuff like that or do, is, do they present you with the colors do you kind of work around it how does that kind of work well that's a joint that's um our production designer steven store who's fantastic and amazing um we worked together a couple times he's you know what i call the real deal you know he he came from theater and he sketches and he has like the whole concept and so there was some work done and also jordan kerner was really really invested and um really attached and super involved and um so we all had a we worked together and so the school colors were determined and then I had a just complete Jones for like bringing back old hockey jerseys, the kind that laced up. <laughs> and, you know, they, it, it's funny, I was pretty adamant about it. And I was like, I really, you guys, this would be so cool because, you know, you don't get to do a lot with uniforms. They sort of are what they are. There's a, there's a basic shape that evolves as the years go by. And, um, you know, when we were in high school, there were lace-up jerseys for practice and they were made out of a different fabric. They were knit, you know, just different. And I thought they were really cool. And so I wanted to kind of get that retro thing back. Um, and I also know the school that it was kind of fashioned after we shot, I think we shot at Blake actually, but my cousins went to their two big private schools, Blake and Breck. And there, there was sort of a retro feel to those even then. And anyway, so that we they mixed it for the game jerseys, but we ended up using it for the practice jerseys. And I was so I remember like jumping up and down on the day we shot those. That was pretty fun. But it, that's a joint, you know. Again, because the Mighty Ducks uniforms, they are what they are. So there was absolutely nothing I wanted to use the, the ones that were from the Ducks one. But now that it was a team, and you understand, you know what goes in there because it's Disney. But um, you know with with black, white, and red, we just wanted them to be really strong. And, and, um, you know, it was, I think it was Jordan actually, who kind of, I think he finally wanted it to be more two dimensional, the numbers that so we backed them. And anyway, it was this, that was actually the biggest process of anything. Um, the, the warriors uniforms. And I, when I went to high school, my team was, um, the Indians, they're not Indians anymore. They're the Lakers. But, um, so I had like brought out all my old stuff with the, with the big chief's head on it. And, and, um, anyway, we wanted something really strong and, and kind of rich looking. And, and I think we all ended up really liking them. So that I think also had to go through like Disney approval, um, which doesn't have to happen with every costume, but there's, you know, it's obviously a hockey franchise and a hockey movie, you know, two franchises, the team and the, movies so that was kind of um i guess i should feel pretty lucky that i passed muster at such a young age back then you know that was 20 years ago you guys <laughs> <laughs> now, now how long does that whole process take in in getting like um you know your first idea for the warriors uh you know their their sweaters and their uniforms and, and then i guess the final yeah. 
then you get to I finally think make that it. Actually, it's weeks, you know. I mean, it's I don't remember the exact timeline, but I do remember, um, you know, doing sketches with Steven Storer um, pretty early on, you know, before we started fitting the cast. And um, again, because we had to get those approved um, first, Jordan at Kerner, and then, um, and it was actually super fun. I don't know that I've had a producer since then who was so enthusiastically involved in all that and supportive and, you know, there, there for me and all that process. And, you know, we had our scuffles, one in particular, um, about a certain scarf that I wanted gone. And, um, you know, but he was really, you know, kind of, I, I ran into him not that long ago, but um, he's in a different kind of set of, of work right now, so we don't get to work together anymore, but he was definitely one of my favorites. Okay, so it's been 20 years. I think you can give the details on the scarf incident. Who was it, Who was supposed <laughs> to wear it, and, and what kind of aspect were they going to wear it in? Well, there was, um, there was a, design, a costume designer who had done the first two, and um again, Jordan was like the guardian of the of the ducks and of, of the like almost like you know, more than a guardian angel, he was kind of he was really the guardian, like kept the true vibe going and you know, the kid I mean, he'd been with these kids since they were little, right? So here they all are now teenagers and they're starting to kind of have their own style and they're looking like little adults now and so um, they wanted to kind of keep their look, and I and I remember me saying, you know what, we have to let them evolve because they're young adults, and let's let their personalities really blossom. And so Garrett um, uh, Guy, Guy mm-hmm. <laughs> guy, he was I think he was supposed to be French Canadian originally, and he had his like. Palestinian, you know, black and white scarf always around his neck, which was when the other one, when the second one was made, that was like a kind of a, not just a political statement, but a fashion statement, kind of that hippie, hacky sack type Mm -hmm. uh, vibe. And um, I, when I showed up, I was like, yeah, that's not what's happening. And that wouldn't be what that kid would wear. And also things that you are really attached to when you're 12, when you're just kind of starting out to show your personality, is not what you're attached to when you're 16. And so I fought really, really hard for that. And uh, at one point I said, let's rip a piece of it, you know, and tie it in a different fashion, um, almost like it was blanky. And he still has a little bit of it. And then, and then that finally, he finally said, you're right, okay, we can. Because also the kids, um, his real brother, um, you know, they were brothers and the mom was always there and they all three came up to me and they're like, Oh my God, thank you. <laughs> thank you for getting rid of the scarf. So we gave him an um, upgraded version of his little uh, kind of, uh, I don't know. I think he went less from making a political statement to being a little bit more like Andy rock, let's say, you know, the beginnings of that. And I thought that was a natural evolution for that um, kid. And I think each of them had to, sort of grow into young adults on that, which was for me, again, I mean, big score, you know, to, to be able to address all those kids. Cause um, they're more, teenagers are more interested in um, showing their personality through what they wear, you know, and, and, and especially back then 
not conforming exactly to what everybody else is wearing. So like those young girls let me create little styles for them rather than only wanting to wear like now if I see another pair of just cut off denim shorts, you know, I'll scream because everybody looks the same. Mm-hmm. And that's again because of internet and they look and they see this is what I'm supposed to wear. I feel like back then, I mean, I think that was 95 that we made it. They were much more open to like, I think you'd look really good in these vintage things. And I think you would look really good in this sort of classic schoolgirl thing. Or, you know, we would, we really, really picked personalities for each, each one of them, which is, um, I think fun with, uh, young, young adult and teen actors. Was there a, a duck who was, it was the most fun to kind of design what they were going to be, uh, wearing and, and picking out their, uh, their different wardrobe? You know, I mean, there are parts, again, it was so multifaceted because of um, them going now to this fancier school. So we had to sort of, um, you know, they had to stiff up a couple times. Um, I think, I mean, each and every, I just, those kids were fantastic. They were always welcome in our trailer. And I think they liked that I uh, included them in the ideas. I, I, I can't say that anything was more fun than the other. I just think we had to do the funeral kind of on the fly and I don't remember why. I don't remember if it was a a schedule change or something, but Hans's funeral. And I remember Steve Brill coming up to me and saying, I really like how you let all their personalities show through when they, you know, because they had to look presentable and somber, but we, we allowed them to still keep their personalities. So I guess in a certain way, that might be my favorite just because, um, I think everybody got it. I think the kids got it. Steve got it. You know, they, they liked, everybody was happy with, they thought it looked serious. And yet the kids, you know, I didn't just throw everyone in a black suit, you know? Okay. Like in talking to people about this, I realized like you guys think about this stuff a lot more than I do when I was just watching it. Is there anything you, you threw in there? Like in terms of symbolism that you think that people missed or anything like that? Um, I, again, I don't know if there's one thing, but I feel that I kept, um, you know, just again, coming, coming from Minneapolis and knowing it, it, you're not required to be from where the story is. You know, like when you're a costume designer, it just means that the research is, is deeper and it's already done. (laughs) So I feel like I, I, I just gave it kind of a certain old classic Midwest, you know, and for sure the hockey vibe, like hockey players dressed in a certain way. Um, they have a certain attitude and they have a certain, um, you know, style. And we wanted, we wanted to get away from that typical like Wayne's world hockey hair, you know, <laughs> thing and, and show what they looked like. Um, I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't know if I can answer that one right now. I don't think there's like a specific thing that I threw in there, but um, I think each kid like sticking, I think we went through and said, all right, you know, you, you're like, um, like Julie uh, Colomb, we kind of made her like the Catherine Hepburn girl, you know, you're the Catherine Hepburn girl. And so like each kid had like a stylistic guideline, we'll say, but I don't know that that's really symbolic. All right, Kim. So we do this thing called the Quack Question, where we have fans send in their questions, and we we answer them at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. So, 
Kevin's got the quack question for you. All right. <laughs> All right. This one comes from a friend of the friend of the show and self self proclaimed head quackalite Armin Kansari, whose Twitter handle is AK to the max. Uh, he asks, um, shouldn't Disney have had them wearing Mighty Ducks shirts the whole time? Mighty Ducks shirts, you mean? It's like from a branding perspective, I suppose he means. I think he was just saying, yeah, I think think he was just saying like, in whenever they could, shouldn't have, shouldn't have Mighty, uh, shouldn't have Disney put them in Mighty Ducks jerseys because they were trying to promote this team and they're trying to promote this like, this franchise and everything like that. Shouldn't they have pushed the Mighty Ducks a little more, the original or the, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks logo and things like that? Well, that's something that I actually, as a costume designer, would have thought. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that it's the Mighty Ducks, and they wore the they wore the uniforms uh, when they played hockey. So I think the movie itself was about getting to know these kids as they were um, again approaching young adulthood, and what what it's it's a super heartfelt story about who these kids were, you learn about, um, you know, coach Orion, you learn about Gordon, you know, what, what their histories were, their hot, their real hockey players. How did they get to where they are now? Um, I think it was really more, I mean, I remember people crying in that movie, you know, it's like, it was, it was really about the characters and you followed Charlie now through from when he was a little duck you know, now he's a mighty duck. And, and I think that I don't know why they would need to wear, um, ducks gear, you know, during, during when you're telling the story, I think sometimes it gets in the way, you know, it's like, if you remember, there's a scene when he's, when, um, Gordon is telling Charlie about Orion, like giving him, I think he says he's the real, that you're the real Minnesota hero yeah. or I can't remember exactly but you know they're crying and they're hugging and and it's like this real touching moment because now Charlie is a young adult and and Gordon relates to him differently and so why would they be wearing Mighty Ducks shirts you know it's like this is a this is a heart-to-heart moment between two hockey players and two men and they put the jerseys on when they play you know they're also going you know they're going to a private school why they, the other thing is you have to kind of suspend your now we know that the hockey team came out of this but when you're watching the movie these are still the ducks you know from minnesota these are the mighty ducks so so yes now we're using the uniform but this is also a story about these kids who started in peewee hockey and now they're playing varsity so they're not the anaheim ducks really do do you know what i'm saying yeah definitely all right, Kim, wrapping up, quick question. You mentioned Charlie going from a little duck to a mighty duck. Let's say they get the green light to do a 20 years later D4, and now we've got Charlie as, you know, 35-year-old or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, uh, how interested would you be to go back and design the costumes for the older ducks? Is that something that you think could kind of be a, a good challenge for you, and do you have any particular oh, absolutely. ideas? Absolutely. I was super attached uh, to that group and those kids who are, <laughs> they're still kids to me. Um, 
but, you know, I ran into a bunch of them and, and I just, I looked at them all and started to cry. I was like, you guys are grown up now. It's just crazy. I mean, I, I would love it. Are you kidding? We would have such interesting discussions about, you know, cause we've skipped some years. So mm-hmm. you would have to tell the story a little bit by how they look. And that would be a super challenge. And especially if it got to go shoot in Minneapolis again, <laughs> I would love that. It would be incredible. Any idea what Charlie can, would look like in uh, 20 years after D3? Well, it's hard not to factor in, you know, who Josh is now. You know, he's mm. such a handsome, um, kind of, you know, well, very accomplished actor. Um, I think that it would be, he, he was he was so thoughtful already back then. I mean, I think he turned 18 when we were working. Um, incredibly grown up for for his age. And I think he would probably have, give it a lot of thought and, and, and really care about where that character would be now. I mean, I can sort of, like you ask me, can I picture it? Can I picture like this really handsome hockey player from Minneapolis, what he would look like? Yes. Um, (laughs) I think it would be kind of secretly sexy and not like he wouldn't look like he cared, but he would just look, we call that accidentally handsome. Like he just looks great, but it looks like he threw it on, you know, that sort of, which is, I think, how Josh looks a lot anyway. So I don't know. I bet you he would have a lot to say about it. So, All right. Well, yeah. one question that I just thought of, it's kind of not related to the last thing, but <laughs> I mean, how much did the parents try to uh, influence their, their child's look on, on the film? Um, gosh, you've touched on a really big topic of uh, <laughs> stage parents. Um, these, these parents were all pretty great. Um, you know, I've done other kids movies and that has been an issue, but these guys were, these guys were great. And I think they saw how enthusiastic I was and how much I cared about it, I think. So Mm -hmm. it was, and I included them. So I think, and, and they were really good. There wasn't a bad parent there. They were all really fantastic. And some of these kids were emancipated or old enough, you know, uh, that they didn't have, there weren't a ton. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. I think because also Jordan, again, being the guardian, you know, was a family and he cared so much for them and for the story. And, and I think it was a super safe environment. Okay. So, yeah. Well, Appreciate no you no out. gossip there. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I had to try. I had to try. Yeah, I know, I know, but there really isn't. There, there was. There's other kind of gossip, but it's not PG. So that's we are for another day. <laughs> okay, well, we'll have to have you come back on. We do have an explicit rating on iTunes, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, those people are still around. You can't really. Oh. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You know. Anyway. Anyway. Um, no, it was really we all we we were a good we were a seriously tight family. It was amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, do you have yeah, any other, any things you want to throw out there, people to watch your your costumes in? Well, I have to say it's it was a funny uh, kind of a bit of a ducks reunion. This last movie that I just um, was really lucky to work on. It's called The Do Over. And Steve Brill directed it, and Adam Sandler and David Spade are the stars. 
And it's, um, I had a bunch of my old crew from Mighty Ducks working with me. And so we were reunited and talking about duck emergencies all the time. Anytime anything happens now, it's a duck emergency. <laughs> so, but I think it's going to be really fun. It's sort of like all of us who were kids together um, as adults now, you know, so mm -hmm. it, it's a pretty poignant story about um, anyone who's ever thought about having a do-over. Uh, so Steve Brill and I just kept, every once in a while, we'd look at each other and go, you look the same. And he'd say, so do you. <laughs> so that's because we wear glasses now. But it was really fun to be with that comedy uh, gang again. And I, I think it's going to be um, super entertaining and make us all laugh. Does that have a release date yet? Um, not yet, but they're editing. You know, we just kind of finished and they're oh, editing. Okay. And um, there may be one, but I'm bad at that kind of stuff. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'll look it up. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Kim. Uh, yeah, yeah. For us, go to thequacktech.com. You can contact us there. At QuackTechPod on Twitter. Facebook.com slash QuackTechPod. Go to iTunes. Give us five stars. Write in your review your favorite thing about Kim. You can't. Okay. You can just say the whole the whole episode if you want. Because, I mean, this was a five-star episode. And remember, ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. Quack, quack. <laughs> you guys are cute. Thanks. <laughs>